Welcome to the Women of TBC podcast. You'll hear content from women's Bible studies and other women's events. For more information, visit templebiblechurch.org. Yes, and worship. It's just gorgeous. I love to hear that. Um, it's so good to be in fellowship with our sisters in Christ this morning, isn't it? I hope you all had a really good discussion at your tables and you discussed all the details of the chapter. And I trust that you've watched Jen's video. Uh, She's an amazing teacher and she explains this chapter so well and has an hour to do it. So you guys, I really encourage you to listen. Last week, Amy reminded us that we are all part of God's family. We're his anointed ones. We're his family in Christ. He abides in us and we abide in him. She warned us, of the world, its antichrists, and their denial of the Savior as God and man. And today, we're going to explore the love of the Father for his children. Now, I want to introduce y'all to my immediate family. This is my husband and I. Randy is my husband's name. We're in Branson, Missouri there. Uh, To your left would be Jake and Andrea. To your right is my second son, Jared, and Stephanie and their children. Um, To your left uh, is my daughter Haley and her husband Casey with their four. And then my youngest Joel and his wife Rachel with little Emmeline. And they're expecting a new one in June. So we're really excited about that. Um, This older lady that you see in some of the pictures is my mama. She's 86 years old. And she joins in every celebration we have. (laughs) Um, when When the little ones run to me. Um, As a grandma, I just cannot contain my excitement. My eyes light up, my heart starts beating faster, my smile broadens, and my voice will raise an octave or sometimes three. (laughs) My arms fly open to welcome their sweetness and all their love. After this happened several times, the Lord reminded me that this is what he expects from me. He wants me to run to him that way with excitement, joy, anticipation, and love, to be all in. Well, one morning, Randy and I were on our way to Dallas to see my daughter and her family, and Haley sent me this picture. (laughs) Yeah, doesn't that melt your heart? (laughs) The kids were up early, waiting, looking out the window, anticipating our arrival, We still had an hour before we got there, so (laughs) needless to say, they weren't still at the window when we arrived. But this made me think of my responsibility to stay ready and watchful to the return of Jesus. Jesus is coming again, and as his family, we're to be eagerly anticipating his coming with hearts of joy and excitement. So let's look at the text this morning, 1 John 2, 28 through 29. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink back in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So we want to remember to be ready. He is coming. In these verses, John is lovingly reminding us to abide in Christ. So when he comes, we can celebrate his return with joy and confidence. He encourages us to continue to practice righteousness because we are in the family of the king of righteousness. And as his children, we can be assured that he will receive us with a loving heart and eternally open arms. Behold, he's coming quickly. 
hold fast. In 1 John 3, 1 through 3, it says, See what kind of love the Father has for us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we will know when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him as he is. And everyone who hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So together, let's behold his love. And the reason I'm using the word behold is I love the King James translation of verse 1. Instead of see, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has for us, that we should be called the sons of God. The word behold means to stop, pay attention, look and think about what I'm saying, ponder the significance of what I have to say. Give this your immediate attention. It's important and urgent. This word is also plural, indicating that it's addressed to all the saints. So we are all to continually behold his love together. Behold his love right now, every day, for eternity. This is a command, and it requires ongoing, habitual, continual devotion. This is how we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's an action, a pursuit, and it requires time and effort. It is study, meditation, prayer, quiet time alone with the Father, fellowship with other believers, and worship. Beholding his love together results in joy and peace. We are to plumb the depths of God's wonderful, gracious, sacrificial love. His love is an out-of-this-world kind of love. It's different, set apart, unnatural. It is pure, and we are blessed as family members to be able to experience his selfless, faithful, and intentional love. His love is like the ocean. It's so deep and so wide that it's unfathomable. So together, let's behold our Father's great love for us. God's love is supernatural and strong. When we studied Romans 8, we learned that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing, not tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nor sword can separate us. Paul goes on to say in that chapter that neither life, nor death, nor things present, nor things to come, nor angels, nor principalities, or powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then in John 10, 28 and 29, Jesus says, when he talks about his sheep, no one can pluck them out of my hand, for my Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no one can pluck them from his hand. So in his strength, ladies, we are secure. It's an eternal giving love. John 3, 16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then John 10, 27 through 29, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I will give to them eternal life, and they will never perish. 
As Amy reminded us last week in John 14, 15, and 16, God also promised to send a helper, the comforter, the spirit of truth to be with us forever. And the Holy Spirit is with us right now, empowering, guiding, and teaching us through God's word. Romans 8.32 tells us that God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us. How will he not freely give us all things? And finally, in 2 Peter 1.3, we find that God gives us everything we need for life and godliness. What gifts? Perfect gifts from the Father above. God's love is also purposeful and intentional. From the very beginning... God created man for fellowship and intimacy. He set before him a life, a purpose, to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. He intended for men to reflect his glory. Let's look at how his glory has been reflected in love in our extended family. Behold, the manner of love God showed Abram when he chose him out of a pagan nation He made amazing promises to him to make his name great, to give him land, and through all, all the nations would be blessed through him. Then when God told Abraham to take Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice, he obeyed, knowing that God is faithful. As he bound Isaac to the altar, his beloved son, and stretched out his hand to take his life, love stopped him and provided a ram as a substitute. For the sacrifice. Behold his love in the life of Joseph, allowing an arrogant dreamer to suffer at the cruel and hateful hands of his brothers and a lying woman, to teach him humility, patience, and obedience in every circumstance, so that he would one day be elevated to deliver the ones that rejected him. Love had an intentional plan for Joseph's life, who foreshadows the life of our Savior. Behold the manner of love that God had for our brother Jonah. God could have let him go his own way, chosen someone more cooperative and obedient, but he didn't. He allowed Jonah to run the opposite direction, caused a storm, resulting in Jonah being thrown overboard, only to be swallowed by a big fish that God again appointed. Then in God's great love, patience, and mercy, Jonah was given a second chance I am so thankful for Jonah's story because I need second chances. I can relate to needing a timeout and getting my rebellious head and heart straight. Thankfully, not in the belly of a fish. Behold Hosea's love for Gomer, his unfaithful wife who was not satisfied with him but searched for better love in the arms of other men. How often do we run to the arms of the world rather than to our Savior? We give in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's difficult to see ourselves as adulteresses, isn't it? Hosea bought his wife back at a premium price and rescued her from slavery. His love was intentional, sacrificial, and oh so kind. Behold God's faithful love for us when we leave him and chase fleshly desires. Just like Hosea, Jesus patiently loved endured humiliation, paid the ultimate price of redemption, and bought us our freedom. 
Behold God's love in Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. Paul tells us that God chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the kind intention of his will. God intentionally chose you and me to be part of his wonderful family, to share his eternal love, and to live with him in glory. Love chose us to be his. It's a miracle. Love is also faithful and active. Behold God's love when he spared the life of a Hebrew baby from death and gave him a privileged life, a great education, only to humble him, to live as a fugitive and a shepherd before becoming the leader, deliverer, and mediator of his people. Behold God's love for the Hebrew people as he delivered them from the oppression of Egypt, parted the Red Sea, led them through on dry land, and then destroyed their enemy. He guided them through the wilderness amid their complaining and rebellion, gave them laws to protect them, and he continually provided bread and water for his obstinate children. God was faithful in their unfaithfulness, and he actively loved them each step of their journey. Behold, God's love in sending the prophets. His desire was intimate fellowship with his people, but in their rebellion, they begin to worship idols and uh, live worldly lives alongside their pagan peers. So God sent messengers to call his people back to him. He longed for his people to know truth, live righteously, and walk humbly with him. He longed to protect them from famine, disease, destruction, and death, but they wouldn't listen. And just last semester, we learned of their judgment through the destruction of Jerusalem and their temple and their exile in Babylon and Assyria. Ladies, this is God's tough love. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the exact representation of the Father full of grace and truth. He loved his Father so much that he became obedient in all things, even death. And he loves us so much that he gave up his home in glory, lived as a man in obscurity, and befriended the weak to lead the world to truth. Love turned the world upside down. His teaching flew in the face of authorities of the day, yet everything he said was purposefully given by his Father. His unconditional love for men led him to be rejected and mocked, beaten and crucified. But behold the Father's love for us. He raised him from the dead, and he glorified him by seating him at the right hand of the Father, a place of honor, authority, and power. Then God graciously sent us the gift of the Holy Spirit to abide within. Finally, behold his love in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind, never envious or boastful, never arrogant or selfish or rude. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love is the greatest. Now, when we look around the world, we see our world is not like this. It relishes in status and pride, selfishness and arrogance, greed, impatience, and hate. No wonder we're enemies. Our king is an advocate. He's perfect and good, gracious and merciful, humble and gentle, and always kind and compassionate. 
But the God of this world is unloving and wicked, hateful and prideful, a liar, a deceiver, and yes, a murderer. He is a lion prowling around, ready to devour. He is our adversary, so be on guard. He lures us into sin. The text in verses 4 through 7 say, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness, for sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. And then on in verse 8 through 14, whoever practices sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So beware. Love is costly. John leaves no doubt in these verses. Our conduct does matter, no matter what the Gnostics were saying. In Ephesians 4 and 5, Paul encouraged us to walk in a manner worthy, in love, in light, and filled with the Spirit. We're to be holy. We're not to be like the world, darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of ignorance and hardness of heart. He points out that sensuality, greed, callous hearts, and, and practice of impurity is not of Christ. We are to put off that old self which belongs to our old way of life, corrupt with deceitful desires, and we're to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. We're to put on our new selves created in the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness. We're to walk as children of light and truth so we discern what is pleasing to the Lord. We are to be otherworldly people. What does all this mean for us today? Their church will not be loved by the world. We will be mocked. They won't understand us. It'll think we're crazy, and it'll even hate us. The world's jealousy of our joy, peace, love, and our security in Christ will lead them to ridicule us. As we know, in parts of the world, Christians are persecuted, beaten, and thrown into prison, even killed. But we're fortunate that this has not happened here. Are we ready for persecution? Are we expecting it? We should be. Verses 11 through 18. I'm going to take just a few out of these for sake of time. This is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Little children, do not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And then down in verses 23 and 24. And this is the commandment that we believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Whoever keeps his commands abides in God and God in him. By this we know he abides in us by the spirit that he gives us. So we are to be love in deed and truth. 
As we love others and practice righteousness, we are assured that we are abiding in Christ and his spirit abiding in us. Practically, we as God's people must sacrificially lay down our lives for others as Christ did for us. We must prove our love by our actions, being doers of the word and not merely hearers. Amy constantly encourages us to be doers, practicing love for fellow believers, the needy, and our community. Our women's ministry is consistently serving by bringing food for Feed My Sheep, CTLC, and Family Promise, We've given gift cards for foster love workers, showers for Embrace Grace single moms, and we've made boxes for Hope Mommies. These have all had an impact on so many lives, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to serve alongside you in these ways. Quite honestly, I did not realize the impact or the significance of the Hope Mommy boxes. If you aren't aware of this ministry, um, Emily Copeland is back at table 16, wave at me, and you guys can talk to her to get filled in on that ministry. It is wonderful. Um, when we made these boxes a few years ago, I remember thinking, oh, this is so sweet. It's so thoughtful. I'm so glad we're doing this. But I had no idea the impact that this little box would have on my life. Last year, we had an a girl in Embrace Grace that had a stillborn baby. She acted cold and callous, but it was a cover. She was devastated and in denial, and we were devastated for her. Paula Blasco was at the birth for support, and I went up the next morning to, to take our little mama some breakfast that she had requested. I'll never forget it. It was a beautiful, cool morning, and the sky radiated God's glory. I remember thanking him for the gorgeous, bright pink sky that seemed to honor our lifeless baby girl. But I was in tears, brokenhearted for our young mama, who had no family support. She was so young to deal with this kind of grief and pain and loss. As Paula and I sat with her and she held her baby, we decided to open the Hope Mommy box to show her, and we were so comforted. There were several personal items for Mommy, literature on loss and grief, a handwritten note from a mom that had experienced a loss, and a New Testament. Ladies, this was such a small gift, but it spoke volumes. It said, you matter. You're not alone. You're loved. When we practice love in these ways, we are loving indeed, in truth. We never know how the Holy Spirit will use even our smallest deed to comfort, love, and draw others to Jesus. So please keep abiding and obeying. Keep pursuing love and practicing righteousness to encourage the world and fellow believers. Behold, the Father's love lived out through his people, the church. Let us pray. We praise you, Father, for your amazing love. Thank you for giving us everything we need for life and godliness. Thank you that your love has been poured out into our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Please help us to be diligent, to be faithful. Women walking in light, pursuing righteousness and practicing kindness. 
Help us to actively live our love by walking humbly with you. Thank you for abiding in us through your spirit. Now empower us to be doers of your word as your faithful image bearers so that we can bring you glory. In Jesus' name.